0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Uh, okay. And away we go on this lovely. Tuesday morning, March the 30th. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris. That hasn't changed. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is a HoopBall presentation. That website, of course, is Hoop-Ball.com. You can follow the HoopBall Fantasy News Twitter feed at hoop ball Fantasy. Hope everybody had a nice Monday. Big card on, uh, on Monday night. A lot of weird stuff. And we'll obviously pour our way through it. Uh short card tonight, quick little Tuesday preview. But I do want to start with and it's not a recap necessarily, so much as a look back. And remember what I said on yesterday's podcast and and this is why we do what we do. And it's why truly you have to be on top of your fantasy team at all times. Sometimes you really don't know how long a is going to last. Now, before I get into the, the, the meat of this show-opening discussion, and it's going to be on Moses Brown, I want to also mention that doors are never shut. Well, rarely. Doors are rarely shut in fantasy sports. And this door, window, whatever metaphor, analogy you want it to be, is, isn't permanently shut. But it is closed for now. On yesterday's podcast, I said that I thought Moses Brown was a big sell high because in that moment, yesterday, meaning yesterday and Sunday after the uh, Oklahoma City what was it who the hell did they play on Sunday? Saturday? when the when the crap did the thunder last play? <laughs> it was Saturday. They played Boston on Saturday they got they got clunked. In between that Saturday game and the Monday evening game that just took place last night was arguably the best moment to sell high on Moses Brown. He had a 2020 game on Saturday. No defensive stats, but most people just assume those will come. And they will with him, and they and they did yesterday, even in his, his subpar performance. He still had defensive stats. But what people were willing to overlook on Saturday that they're not willing to overlook today— is the free-throw shooting, which we talked about at significant length on yesterday's podcast. I said to you guys, look, this is someone who is going to be staring down the barrel of an Andre Drummond-like punt free-throw situation. And there will be nights where he does enough in other categories to make up for it because he's going to play 30 minutes a game with Al Horford resting the rest of the way. There's almost no way that a starting center on that roster right now doesn't get near 30 minutes and he was at 29 and 40 seconds yesterday so just barely underneath it while having by all accounts uh, a little bit of a lackluster ball game certainly compared to his more recent ones the reason i said that on yesterday's show many of you will remember is because he was the talk of the town he was the bell of the ball and those types of moments are actually somewhat rare if I asked you right at this second, while you're listening to this podcast, who's the bell of the ball from last night? Anybody jump out at you? Russell Westbrook probably is the name that comes to mind. He had the big line of the night. Jaden McDaniels had a pretty good ball game. I mean, by fantasy accounts, he had a very good ball game, but a lot of that was tied up in efficiency, which people don't tend to look at quite as closely. Hamadou Diallo, is he the bell of the ball? He had a good ball game, but he only did it one time. There isn't, is the answer. Hamdou Diallo had a good ball game. Gary Trent Jr. had a good ball game. Isaiah Roby had a good ball game. And we'll go through, Jaden McDaniel. we'll, We'll go through these names in a minute. The point I want to make is, one good ball game doth not a bell of the ball make. The reason that Moses Brown was such a hot topic is that he had been churning it out for a couple games in a row. More than a couple, really almost two weeks. He didn't quite burst onto the scene, which was fortunate because it gave us a couple ga- uh, days, games, days, whatever, to get him onto our rosters. We have a lot of Moses Browns here on this podcast and those of you listening to it. Because his first game, he played 19 minutes at 8-12, and 12, and people were like, ah, oh, okay, well, 19 minutes, and I was one of them. The next one, he played 27 minutes at 9-9, and 9, and that's when we all picked him up. Not because 9-9 nine nine is going to blow the roof off the building, but because he played 27 minutes with Al Horford in the lineup. And from there, it's just been a rocket boost, pretty much. He had a 20-16 and 16 game mixed in there, an 18-rebound game, a 5-block game, a pair of 3-block games, 19-12, and 21-23, back-to-back big ones from Moses Brown there on the 24th and then the 27th of March. And so... When someone does this for what you can sort of ignore, they had that 5-3 and three game against Clint Capella in Atlanta. Outside of that, 20-16, and 13-14, 4-18, 19-12, 21-23. Just a, a series of double-doubles other than the four-point performance. But that one came with a steal in three blocks. And 18, re- I mean, that number really jumps off the page. 18 is a big-ass number. That, friends, is what makes someone... The hype focal point. It's the guy that you're waiting to watch in fantasy. Not because they're a superstar. We all, those guys are all on rosters. But it's because the guy that you picked up because he was the shiny thing and he's kicking butt, he's crushing people, giant, giant lines. And everybody starts to dream of a universe where this dude averages 20 points and 20 rebounds. There's a psychological element to everything that we do. In fantasy sports, at least as it pertains to the waiver wire and trades. And that's understanding what other people also think about the guy that you're looking at. And we knew from watching Twitter. Basically, that's the great barometer these days. From watching blurbs on every site, our own site here at Ball Sports, whatever, uh, whatever Roto World is called now. I'll, I screw it up every time. The sites that have these little snippets on guys, projections on guys, that get a little overclocked because it's natural. It's human nature to get caught up in the whirlwind. Now, let me also add, I want to add here, like I said yesterday, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. I like Moses Brown the rest of the way. I think he probably is, I think he's probably a top 60 fantasy player despite the free throw shooting, the rest of his stuff is going to be fun enough that it'll counterbalance it. It will, to some degree. You know, he's number 98 over the last two weeks while averaging 13 and 14 with a steal and two blocks because of the high volume, poor free throw shooting. Over the last week, he's outside the top 115 because of the poor free throw shooting. That's how hard it is to do what Andre Drummond did, which is to be a second round pick While being a free throw, and this is not even in a punt, that's counting free throws. He was a second round guy. He punted free throws, he was a first rounder, easy. Now for Brown, he's probably not going to take 8 to 10 free throws every game. So over this last week, the numbers are a bit artificially depressed by the fact that he's shooting 52% on 9 free throws a game. It's almost impossible to be a top 100 guy while you're missing that many. He's making arguably the best case for it. With three defensive stats and basically averaging 15 and 15 on 67% shooting. But that free throw number is more or less insurmountable. Now today, you probably can't trade him for a top 50 guy. Not after what he did last night. Now that window may open back up again. But this is why we talked about you have these very narrow windows to try to go get something done. I said go out and shoot the moon. Offer him up for... Someone in the 40 to 50 range. I think I said John Collins yesterday. You never know. Probably wouldn't have happened. I said Michael Porter Jr. Hell yeah, I'd rather have Michael Porter Jr. than Moses Brown. I don't care. You have to try to ignore the hype as it pertains to your own enjoyment and go get the guy that's going to be the better value the rest of the way. It's really hard to hit that mark when you're a punt free throw guy. I love Moses Brown, but we have to understand the limitations. That's why we did that segment yesterday. And that is why we will pay attention to that type of stuff going forward. Let's dive into the Monday results. We already hinted at least at a few of them. Oh, uh, thank you to all of you that hit me on Twitter and via email on our recruiting calls yesterday. I want to put that right back out there on today's show. We are looking for DFS full season and team coverage people here at hoop basically recruiting all the way across the map i think about the only division we don't need somebody right now is in our uh sports betting unit which is pretty much filled out um if you have some off the wall really cool idea obviously hit me up you know we're always looking for creative stuff but in terms of straight recruitment dfs contributors full season fantasy contributors and uh, team coverage, folks, if you want to get in uh, more on the reality side, hit me up. I can provide more information if this is something you're thinking about. And uh, again, I mean, this is like not to dabble. This is if you want to make this a part of your own personal future, break into the industry. This is the spot to do it. Hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. That's the email address, Teamhoopball. At hoop-ball.com. Indy at Washington. Russell Westbrook decided to straight turn back the clock. He still missed some free throws, but in this particular game, it didn't really matter. 35-14-21, and 21, a monster of a triple-double, carried Washington with an improbable win over the seemingly hapless Pacers these days. I mean, what what happened to that team? Malcolm Brogdon had a big one. Miles Turner, another good ball game. Damanis Simonis actually played well. They just... They didn't defend anybody. T.J. McConnell does appear to have held on to fantasy value, so that's good for folks that were able to stick with him long enough. I think what I said when he popped back up on the radar was something like, look, if you dropped him and you didn't get him back, it's not going to be the kind of thing that breaks your back in fantasy. This is a guy that's probably going to be hovering closer to the edge of the top 100, and uh, that's kind of what he's been doing. And Karis LeVert, who I called... The ultimate perpetual sell high. Anytime he puts up a big line, you want to punt on him. And this is not one of those times. But he's number 93. He's been falling steadily in his time with Indiana. He just needs the biggest usage to hit his mark. This was a pretty easy one to call. On that Washington side, Daniel Gafford was playing well again, but turned his ankle. And he's likely out for a game or two. Hopefully not too much more than that. Uh, I do wonder... He hurt himself with about six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Would he have closed this thing? Would he have hit the twenty-minute mark, and more or less pushed Robin Lopez out of the rotation yesterday? Alex Len played twenty-two minutes, but it goes back to those two guys here for the uh, the next little bit. Denny Avdija had a nice ball game with no Bradley Beal. Chandler Hutchison had a good ball game with no Bradley Beal. You can pretty much attribute all of that stuff to the lack of Bradley Beal. New Orleans at Boston. This ball game had almost nothing for us to analyze. Marcus Smart got ejected. Otherwise, the only thing to note is that Nikhil Alexander-Walker continues to look pretty good while filling in for Lonzo Ball, and uh, Josh Hart is on one of his weird little heaters that has has kind of leveled him throughout the entire season. He's ended up being a decent nine-cat head-to-head type of guy because he's, you know, top 120 by averages, but has been extraordinarily durable this season, which is actually kind of new for him. He usually rebounds his way into an injury. My hope with Hart was that his steals would come up at some point, but they just sort of haven't. He is effectively a rebounding specialist from the guard position. If that's the thing that you need, that's the guy who can get it for you. Not really my favorite outside of, you know, more of streaming and such of that uh, nature. Let's just keep moving because that game was not... Particularly fantasy, interesting. Miami beat New York in a, uh, well, ugly would be probably the nicest way to put it. Atabaya was great. Jimmy Butler was solid. And for Miami, we were watching to see if Trevor Ariza had sort of locked down the power forward spot. And the answer is no, he did not. Nemanja Bielica was not the reason why. It was actually Andre Iguodala in this game. We logged 25 minutes off the bench. I actually am going to give Ariza one more game on my Roto Games Cap bench. Because I do feel like Iguodala got extra run to deal with Julius Randle. I think many cases that won't happen. Randle happens to be one of the biggest, strongest power forwards in the NBA right now. Most of the time, Miami can go a little bit smaller, go with a little bit more offense, play a re- to stretch the floor a little bit further. And so that's why I'm going to buy him one more ballgame. I know this one was ugly, but he did start. He was the starting power forward, Uh, and so with Victor Oladipo headed into town, that's also one reason to kind of assume that it's probably not going to work. But you know, and I give it a ten percent shot. I'll 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 buy it one more game just because the other guys that popped up yesterday, we already mentioned them. You know, none of them was super compelling. Some of them you could probably flip out depending on your league settings, and we'll get to those guys in a minute. The Knicks. Derek Rose is an ad. He's back up over 25 minutes a game. He's a 26 here, 29 in the last one. He's just slowly getting his wind back. So I would expect the steals to probably come up. uh, Or assists, excuse me. Should probably come up a little bit over time. Alec Burks pushed back to the bench with Reggie Bullock back. You know, when this team was healthy before Burks got a little bit marginalized, He only took four shots in this game which I think is, you know, this is also an extraordinarily slow basketball game. Both teams were running slow, plotting offenses, and that doesn't really help Burks all that much. I think you could probably give him one more game against a team that's not Miami, but it's also possible that that was the Bullock return and the Rose return kind of coming near the same time. That may have ended up kind of wiping out Burks, but I wouldn't drop him prematurely. And then Nerland's Noel, you know, we already talked about him plenty, but... With Mitchell Robinson out the rest of the year, he's he's locked in. I spent a bunch of time on yesterday's pod talking about Jaden McDaniels, who promptly came out and posted a great line sort of right in my face because I said, I need rebounds from this guy if I'm going to consider him on yesterday's show. And then he put up seven, which is pretty good, actually, alongside Karl-Anthony Towns. Uh, seven was more than than I could have expected. He was hovering more in the four range. So the question I guess now... And, you know, Brooklyn likes to play fast. Minnesota likes to play. Dude, the Wolves took 103 shots in this game. It's actually borderline remarkable that they lost. They just couldn't get any of them to go in the damn bucket. The Nets did everything they could to give this game away. Sticking on the Wolves' side for a little bit, Malik Beasley, super rusty right now. He'll be fine. This is actually a buy low, if anything, because he'll more than likely start to get things going here pretty soon. Uh, Still have no real word on D'Angelo Russell. I'm assuming he's just going to sort of pop up at some point here, and when he does, Ricky Rubio probably uh, completely vanishes, not that he's not most of the way there already. Uh, on the Jaden McDaniels front, I mentioned on yesterday's pod I thought he probably was more suited for a next-year fantasy surge, if only because there's just kind of nothing left over on this team. When you're behind... Cat, high usage. Anthony Edwards, high usage. Beasley, high usage. D'Lo, when he comes back, high usage. That's a lot of mouths to feed. And while I love McDaniels for his real-life defense, and it did translate in yesterday's ballgame, he'll get you a block in his time on the floor for is not something you can expect on a nightly basis and I don't think the 7 boards and 4 assists is accurate to what he'll likely do. You're probably looking at more like 4 to 5 rebounds and 1 to 2 assists. So yesterday's game was really a best case scenario. He's the starting power forward. They love him. We said that yesterday too. I don't want to I don't want you guys to get it twisted. I like Jaden McDaniels. I just I think this this has I'm going to throw him into my lineup and he's going to give me the 9.3 rebound one block game that really is more befitting of a a streamer level guy. And I think this was probably a streamer level guy having a really big night. Which is kind of also how I feel about some of the other names that popped up yesterday. But if you're in keeper or dynasty leagues, yeah, jump on him immediately. Because he could... If his offensive game evolves, and if he gets say, a little bit stronger and improves on the rebounding front, well, then the sky's the limit. Brooklyn side, uh, we're seeing our buddy Joe Harris kind of getting iced out a little bit here lately. There's just sort of a lot of guys that all feel like they deserve to shoot the basketball. Blake Griffin, uh, Jeff Green, Nicholas Claxton, who you guys know I've been bearish on. LaMarcus Aldridge hasn't even shown up yet. So it all, it's a bit tenuous. I'm sticking with Joe. He's been good enough all season long to endure a little bit of a, I don't know you'd call it a colder spell, just a low usage spell right now, but then no one else is worth rolling out there. I know Bruce Brown had a slightly better ball game, but yeah, I don't, I don't trust anybody beyond really the big three, and then Harris is your fourth guy, whenever the Kevin Durant comes back, and even Joe Harris is, is teetering on the brink right now. But, I mean, yesterday's ballgame is a good example of of why it was dicey to trust any of the centers in Brooklyn to begin with. This is, again, still without LaMarcus Aldridge and Kevin Durant. Dallas blew out the thunder. We already talked a lot about Moses Brown. Quickly on the Dallas side, Luka was back. They, this was sort of a cruising performance against a team that really had no prayer of slowing down the Dallas machine. I think Josh Richardson, who I've seen uh, dropped in a few spots lately, is still worth rostering. You know, he got three boards, five assists, hit a three-pointer. This was a blowout, so it, it, their guys just sort of weren't needed. They got enough from Kristaps and Luca, and that was enough. They could just sort of close the book on the ballgame. Uh, I think Jay Rich is, is you know, there's, there's a high floor, low upside kind of thing, but he... But he belongs in lineups for the most part. And he's better, generally, when Luca's in. On the Thunder side, we saw Isaiah Roby finally have a better ballgame. I, I still don't trust him the rest of the way. His field goal percent isn't enough to sort of balance out some of the other stuff. Theo Maladone probably were... Eh, he's a streamer-level guy. Ty Jerome, better than Maladone in this ballgame. He's probably also kind of in that streamer zone. Alexey Pokoshevsky... Had a better shooting game here. Didn't get the blocks. Not going to get that many rebounds while he's... I mean, he got a. Few, he's had a few games where his rebounding's been a little bit better. So I don't, I don't want to take too much away from him. I just... He's another guy where I'm looking a bit more towards next season than this one. And I do think we see Darius Bazley back at some point the rest of the way. Keep an eye on Svima Uh Not clear, you know, if this is a guy they traded for to use or if he just sort of plopped in there because they need some floor spacing. But, you know, one eye on him. That's all it takes at this point. Just one eye. Toronto swept in a season series from by the lowly Detroit Pistons. 3-0 the Pistons went against the Raptors this year. That is really bad. That's real bad. Uh, it was good to see Gary Trent log 38 minutes in this ballgame. 15-4-5, two steals, three three-pointers. I don't expect him to do... A lot of orchestrating the way that this game sort of ended up for him. This, this is a team in Toronto, by the way. Pascal Siakam fouled out of this ball game. This is a team that has Freddie Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry. Those guys are their point guards before Gary Trent gets close to it. And, and we know enough about Trent to know this is a more of an outlier. It, the fifteen shots was nice. That's the number. You know, the the field goal attempts is about is something I could convince myself is sustainable, 13, 14, 15 shots on some nights. But the assists, nah. Steals, nah. We saw what he did in Portland when C.J. McCollum was out. And admittedly, Dame was your primary orchestrator on that club. But again, it's not like he's going to a team where he can move into more of a facilitator role. He's behind two guys again. He's a points league guy. If anything, streamer level. Who happened to have a good ball game. All right, Detroit. This is one that is requires a little bit of attention from us. So I, I don't want to rush through it too much here. Mason Plumley had five fouls and eighteen minutes. So if you're looking at the Plumley Isaiah Stewart minute split and thinking here it comes, eh, don't get ahead of yourself. Uh, it's possible that it's on the way, but that one is is pretty well. Situated as a timeshare, as long as Plumlee is actually healthy, and he is right now. Jeremy Grant is 100% out of gas. You might even be wise to bench him until he shows signs of busting out of this shooting funk. Everywhere else on the floor, we have questions that need to be answered. Where's Dennis Smith Jr.? How bad is this back injury? Because if he gets healthy, he steps into a monster role. I mean, Wayne Ellington played 21 minutes as the starting shooting guard. Saban Lee, 26 minutes as the starting point guard. Frank Jackson had 17 minutes. Corey Joseph played 24 minutes and was actually pretty good from a fantasy perspective yesterday, but I I know enough about Corey Joseph over the years to know what he actually is in fantasy. He's a guy who's outside the top 250 in 22 minutes a game this season. Um... His steals numbers are fine. Like, he's always been okay at steals. Assists have generally not been all that great for him, despite basically being a point guard. He doesn't shoot the three ball. His free throw percent is is good, but he doesn't take any. Doesn't generally score very much. And uh, rebounding is whatever. I average for a small point guard. So, no, you're not racing out to pick up Corey Joseph. If he somehow ends up as a starter on this team, that changes things a little bit. Because then you're looking at 30-some-odd minutes, and it's... You know, it's pretty easy for a point guard to get value in 30-some-odd minutes. I just don't see that happening. You know, if Dennis Smith Jr. comes back, he probably starts. When Killian Hayes comes back, he works likely to a starting spot. And then the other note on yesterday's game, by the way, uh, Sadiq Bey, just keep rolling with him. I don't know why he's popping on and off of rosters in leagues. He's been quietly just fine pretty much since the moment Blake Griffin was cast out of town. He's on waiver wires. I, I just, I don't get it. I mean, he, he's pretty much been a top 90 type of guy since Blake Griffin left, and that for stretches better. I guess teams don't need great free throw shooting, three-pointers, scoring some rebounds, and uh, yeah, I don't, it's, it's a weird one. He, he should be more heavily rostered. His, his ownership went down in Yahoo Leagues over the last couple of days. He nineteen three 19-3-4 in this one. I don't know what people wanted out of this kid or what they were expecting. There was some sort of expectation that wasn't met, but I don't know what it is. That's just improper expectation setting. Because for sure this dude belongs on fantasy teams. It's not even a question mark. And finally, the last point is Hamadou Diallo, who played 27 minutes at 19-10 and 10 with a steal, two blocks, three assists, a three-pointer, six out of ten shooting, six out of seven at the free-throw line, and might be attempting to trick us into thinking that he can be uh, a nine-cat type of guy. But we know better, don't we? We know that Hamadou Diallo is a fairly wretched free-throw shooter, and because of his athleticism, a guy that gets to the free-throw line. He was taking four free-throws a game in 23 and change minutes, with Oklahoma City this year. And I know he's actually 8 for 9 in free throw shooting since joining the Detroit Pistons. But people are who they are. They are who they are. And I know the athleticism, the rebounding, a lot of this stuff feels fairly exciting. And he's a pretty good rebounder for kind of a guard wing type, really. is a shooting guard by trade. But, you know, he's, he's basically a wing. Um, you know, he was averaging... Over five rebounds a game with OKC. And he grabbed 10 with Detroit yesterday. And the steals and blocks are not not bad, but also we don't want to get too crazy about it. 24 minutes a game in OKC was about a steal and half a block a ball game. People are going to see yesterday's game and think that this is sort of, that this is a repeatable number for him. And it's not. What I would say, though, is look at some of the starts he got with the Thunder earlier this year when, like, basically the entire roster was out. There, there were a couple, like a handful of them. Uh, he did have a game in there that was 23-11. He had a game where he went for 25-3 uh, and three, with four assists, actually, in that one. And he went on a little stretch where he made some free throws. I think he was like 16 out of 18 during a little hot run. Uh, but there is the other side of this. You know, a February 5th game against Minnesota— four for eight at the free throw line he actually had 16 points 10 assists what does it all roll itself out to well he's a points league darling absolutely if you're in a points league you pick him up immediately because it does look like detroit's gonna give him a shot see what he's got in the tank he'll score some points he's not bashful like when he's out there he'll take some shots if he's if he's playing 27 to 30 minutes a night he'll he'll get his shots up And his field goal percent is fine, but that, again, points league doesn't matter all that much. But in category leagues, he doesn't shoot the three ball. He's bad at free throws. His turnovers are actually relatively high for what he does passing-wise on the court. And the steals and blocks, they are okay, but I don't think they're quite as high as people, myself included, have kind of convinced ourselves as what they are. He has these games where he explodes for, you know, three steals and a couple of blocks— and, and his, his uh, energy will lend itself to having those games pop up every once in a while. So yes, there's some upside here. But again, I will stress, it's very hard to have big-time category league value if you are, almost by all accounts, kind of a punt free throw guy. Like, you need to be so good in other categories to counterbalance that. And so this is another guy that, yeah, you probably pick him up. You probably pick him up. See how this thing goes. Roto Games Cap, I'm likely leaving him on my bench for now. If he posts another one or two good ball games in a row, you move him. Basically, catch him on a run where he's making free throws. Let's say he goes like, you know, 5 for 6 free throw shooting in the next ball game and then goes 2 for 2 in the one after that, you know the down one is coming. He's got a a 3 for 9 in the chamber at some point to weigh that thing out the other direction. If he has three good free-throw shooting games in a row, puts up some double-doubles, see if you can move him for like a top 65, 70 kind of guy. These are the guys you watch because there is a lot of mirage stuff going on there. Add and watch. Sometimes we watch and then add. With a guy that could come with this kind of hype, you add and then watch. Memphis beat the Rockets yesterday. Grayson Allen left with hip soreness. That's some old man stuff right there. I know some hip soreness. Uh, and DeAnthony Melton got to take off. Thank the good Lord. I mean, it is really a one-to-one thing here. If you know Grayson Allen is missing the ball game, you fire up your DeAnthony Melton's as fast as you possibly can because he is a top 50 level fantasy guy when he sees those kind of minutes. And it's not even debatable. But it's remarkable how little they think of Melton when Grayson Allen is freaking healthy. Hurts my soul. It really does. It hurts my soul. Meanwhile, over on the Houston side, no Christian Wood again. So Kelly Olinick, starter edition, is uh, power boosting himself all the way to, into the sun right now. 25.92, steal two blocks, good percentages. You know, he's a streamer with some potential benefits. I don't think you immediately drop him when Wood comes back. You certainly ride him for now. Kevin Porter Jr. off ball. We've talked about the issues that that presents. He steps into his giant money when John Wall goes down. Which will happen. But, I mean, most of these teams still have, like, between 25 and 30 games left. We're not that close to the end of the year yet. So you're probably still looking at at least a, a couple to a few even more weeks of this. Jay Sean Tate looks awesome. He's the guy that's taken that step forward in this post-trade deadline stuff. So Tate's a go. I mean, John Wall, you kind of have to start if you have him on your team, but yeesh, he's been bad. Olynyk's a start while Wood is out. I think I would watch him for a game when Wood comes back. Porter, you're starting because he's playing giant minutes and he's starting, but everybody else, I think you could probably leave on the waiver wire. Daniel House came back from a personal absence and was bad. And it's, you know, that's that there's there's really almost no ceiling with him, so a less exciting type of ball player as well. Kings beat the Spurs on the road. The only thing to monitor here is DeLon Wright, who played 13 first-half minutes, and I thought, oh, okay, here we go, uh, and then only 10 minutes in the second half, and that was a little bit more depressing. Uh, good news, bad news situation. Uh, bad news is I I think we want him to try to get about two or three more minutes per game. I'm not convinced that the reason he didn't isn't because Terrence Davis and Mo Harkless each were super hot off the bench for the Kings. Those two guys combined for 27 points on 15 shots in only 32 combined minutes. I don't think those guys are that good every ballgame, and when they're not, you probably get a little bit more DeLon Wright. Uh, other bad news on DeLon Wright, he had a usage rate of 8 in this game, only ahead of uh, Mateu, one of their backup forwards, And then you had some garbage time guys that didn't have any usage rate. But that is about as low as it can get. Like, he really was not trying to insert himself. He's just trying to facilitate, play defense for his new team. Uh, And that leads us into the good news, which is four rebounds, five assists, one steal in his 23 minutes. If those minutes go up to 25 or 26, if the rebounds stay in that four to six range range, assists can they be near five that would be swell and he starts to uh, assimilate with the kings you'll see a few more shots go up you'll see him score I don't think he breaks 10 points a game actually with this team but eight to ten would be more than enough give me nine points four rebounds five assists and one and a half steals and that still puts him on my roster so where I can I'm trying to hold on a little bit longer it's not especially because the Kings are actually trying to win some games right now. So, you know, they're not going to just force Delon right into the action. And he's been the perfect new teammate to say, look, I'm going to do the things I'm best at while you guys are rolling here. You know, De'Aaron, Rashawn, buddy, whatever you guys go score. Uh, I'm just going to make everybody else better around me. And I think, I mean, I, you know, I, I think his teammates are going to really appreciate that. So, Hold on if you can. I understand if you can't because two points is pretty tough to stomach in a head-to-head format, but like, he's healthy. He's playing. I think his role is going to slowly increase on this team, and that's a good thing, understanding, of course, the limitations that we don't have forever because it is almost April. Spurs side, uh, Jakob Pertl only took two free throws. Thank the good Lord that there weren't more in that one because he's another guy that... Limits himself with the bad foul shooting. Uh, DeJounte Murray, Derek White, those are the guys you trust. And uh, DeMar DeRozan, and I'm not going anywhere else beyond that in San Antone. Cleveland, Utah was the ugliest game I've seen in a long time. Just throw this one straight into the dumpster. Don't even think twice. Nice fill-in game here for Isaiah Hartenstein, though. 5, 14, and 7. If Jared Allen and Larry Nance ever miss another game at the same time, you know where to go. Milwaukee and the Clippers, Paul George, late scratch with foot soreness, Uh uh-oh, allowed Luke Kennard to get lava hot in the second half. He was just bombing them in from everywhere. No, you're not going to trust that to keep going. Terrence Mann has looked really good with some players out for the Clippers as well, as kind of like a weird point-forward-y, defense-first guy, that like to kind of replace Reggie Jackson minutes. Reggie is your scoring point guard, and then for man they go big, and they kind of go point guard less, but he will guard the opposing kind of point of attack guy. Marcus Morris at 25. We've been talking a lot about him and kind of the high floor, but somewhat low ceiling. I guess we can amend that to say if Paul George or Kawhi ever miss a ball game, which they often do here and there, that creates a little bit more room Uh, on the ceiling side for Marcus. I would consider streaming Terrence Mann as just a sort of footnote on this thing, but I don't think he's an ad the rest of the way. And then the Bulls uh, working on trying to get Vooch into the mix. He looked better in this one, but Zach Levine was a wreck. Four for 16 shooting. This was probably his worst game of the year. Sadoransky had 14 points, eight assists. Thad started at power forward over Lowry Markkinen. So hold on to Thad. Obviously, hold on to Zach Levine. Sadoransky, you probably hold with the knowledge again that there isn't a great deal of upside there. Uh, And just sort of watch how this thing plays out. I think you want to watch Bulls games if you can because it's a gradual thing working a key player into the mix the way they have to with Vooch. And then some backup guys too, Troy Brown, Daniel Tice, guys like that. They're trying to get a lot of guys into the mix. When it starts to click, you'll see it. It'll be pretty obvious to the eye because right now they're they're disjointed. The offense is uh, weird like they were getting they were making shots for the most part, but 19 turnovers and then defense is also something we talked about on the betting side of things when you're working a lot of new players in communication issues are uh, a big deal and it takes a few games to work that stuff out and and the Warriors are just an awful opponent to have when you don't have great communication on defense yet because they're all over the place. Warriors are not running a, a typical offense. They're running the get Steph open package. And That's tough, man. You need to be prepared for that. If you are, you can slow them down. If you're not, well, you get yesterday. James Wiseman, 28 more minutes for the Warriors. He's really, he's kind of on the cusp now of... uh. I I think he he probably moves into points league territory before he moves into category leagues. He didn't take any free throws yesterday, but we also know he's not very good at the foul line. Uh, The blocks are kind of on the way up. He's probably—I mean, he's been over-rostered all year long, and it's possible now that James Wiseman ownership, while it might not fluctuate very much, the folks that held on for three and a half months might get a little bit of value on their investment, but we're still, in my estimation, not quite there. And uh, that's about it on yesterday's card. A lot of interesting stuff, a lot of weird stuff, a lot of guys with kind of the, the low upside types that you have to weigh what you actually want. Um, turning the page towards, what the hell is today? Tuesday, Tuesday, turning the page towards Tuesday and reminding you once again to please hit me up if you want to be part of our uh, recruiting process here at HoopBall, at Dan Vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com, and of course, Check out our buddies at mybookie.ag. Open up an account with promo code hoopball, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. It's on the third page of signup. I believe it's good everywhere in North America as well as other places, although I don't know exactly where. Uh, we've had some questions as where well, you know where it's functional. And uh, everywhere in the U.S. and Canada, I can speak to that for certain. And then I also know that there are some other spots where it is uh, functional in the, on the globe as well. Uh, awesome customer service if you I, I would also recommend learning a tiny bit about bitcoin it makes it very easy to get your money in and out of uh of my bookie you can make a deposit in about six minutes you can make a withdrawal in about one to two days which is way faster than most online books uh you know five ten years ago where it was like you gotta Send us a copy of your driver's license. And then three weeks later, you get a letter back that's like, this wasn't good enough. And then two months after that, you try again, and your money is just lost in the ocean somewhere. This is quite simple. I've moved my money in and out many times with no issues at all because of just a very simple Bitcoin account, which, by the way, I was terrified of as, as well. But as it turns out, you just open an account, and you, just, you buy it almost like a stock. You buy it like a stock. There's Robinhood, there's Coinbase, there's other places where you can set it up. It takes like a week, I think, to get everything credentialed there. And then, yeah, then it's really easy. You just move cash in and out. You can make your first deposit on MyBookie with a credit card, too, if you don't want to wait for, uh, for all the Bitcoin stuff to clear that first time. So go to MyBookie.ag, promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, wager with us here at hoop-ball.com. Let's have some fun, slowly grow our bankroll, do it all together. When you make that first deposit, do hit me up. I got a prize for you. Got a prize for you. It's a fun one, too. You'll like it. And I've already told you how you can get in touch with me, so I'm not going to repeat myself there. Tonight, Charlotte is at Washington. Malik Monk, his health, I suppose, is something to keep an eye on on that Charlotte side and what that does to Devontae Graham, who's been on a little bit of a heater. Who's healthy for the Wizards? That's it on that ballgame. Philly at Denver. The Sixers uh, towards the tail end, not quite, of a pretty long road trip, still missing Joel Embiid and still finding ways to win some ball games. Nuggets working in Aaron Gordon. That's definitely something to keep tabs on with Denver, and whether or not that has any impact on, on Will Barton remains to be seen. Can Dwight Howard actually play an entire ballgame? I don't know that against Jokic is the place to put money on the yes, but we shall see. Orlando, guys, Terrence Ross is finally probable. And sure enough, yesterday on a on a weekly lineup show, I was like, oh, I don't know how you can start a guy who hasn't played in seven ballgames and has just been questionable for two straight weeks. Well, probable. He's probable. And we actually got that word yesterday, so it was early enough to, to drop him in. Thank goodness. He's going to get as many shots as he can handle. I do want to see what guys like Otto Porter are going to be doing Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter Jr. There are a lot of names in Orlando that we should be keeping tabs on. And then on the Clippers' side, this game feels like a spot where everybody could get rested if they think they can just sort of cakewalk through. Uh, We'll just keep watching guys like Terrence Mann in this fill-in role, Marcus Morris, who's been pretty good here lately, but nothing substantial on that Clippers' side, at least not the way that, you know, magic. There's a lot of things we want to learn on the Orlando side. Hawks, uh, DeAndre Hunter, it sounds like he might actually get in there today. That would be a really big deal. He's questionable, but I think there's an expectation that he's going to try. So we'll see what happens during warm-ups. He's a game-time decision. That's a good sign that they haven't aired towards full shutdown yet. I don't know if that means he's going to play, but at least it's close. And then Phoenix, there's sort of nothing. But uh, on the Atlanta side, if we raced out and picked up Danilo Gallinari, as I think we all suggested we probably should— On the event that Hunter disappears, I think you hold there. Hold Gallo. See how this thing shakes out. Uh, And maybe we get some Lou Will coming up here pretty soon. Is Lou Williams making his debut tonight? I don't know yet. Didn't see the report on that as of just this moment. And that's your card. Just a four-gamer on this Tuesday night. Pretty easy. Short and sweet. Same with the pod. Have a great day, everybody. We'll just put a pin in it right there slam the door on this one hey i haven't bugged you guys to do a rate and review in a while please do a rate and review my show and then any other shows at Hootball that you might have come across if you have a moment to drop that five star on itunes or you know the podcast app on your mobile device that actually means a really big deal to us to me personally and then to the other shows you know i got whatever it is 660 reviews on on this show you guys have been incredible most of those other guys. They're toiling away 20, 30 reviews, so whatever you can do, sort of hoop ball army here, let's, uh, let's go pick up some of our buds. Let's get some of those newer shows, some five-star reviews, help get them off the ground. Thanks, guys, in advance for whatever you can do on that front. I am Dan Bespris. I look forward to hearing from you guys on my recruiting call, and I look forward to talking to you all tomorrow morning, Wednesday. Recap the short Tuesday card. Maybe we'll have some other trade stuff to go over here on Fantasy NBA Today. Have a good one, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a HoopBall presentation.